0: Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, January 18, 2018. Welcome back to the I Own College Basketball Podcast. Matt Norlander is here with me, and there is no place to start other than South Carolina's win over Kentucky late Tuesday. The Devin Downey game. Uh, Looked a lot like January 26, 2010. Nobody got 30 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals like D.D. the goat once did. But Chris Silva got 27 points, eight rebounds, and a block. That's not bad. And how much fun was South Carolina over Kentucky, Norlander? Felt like 2010 all over again.
1: Man, you know, I was watching that game, watching that game, and uh, (laughs) Kentucky was in control. And I shot out this tweet that was just, you know, like, South Carolina could really use Devin Downey right about now and it's just one of the things you just send out and at that moment I don't remember what exact point in the game it was they were definitely down double digits and I definitely thought they were going to lose and that did not happen they came back that game had way too many foul shots kind of a brutal game to watch in many in many respects but it definitely gave us uh, another 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 podcast highlight. Uh, Devin Downey shout out multiple ones on television. Courtesy of you. Props to you for stepping up and doing that and uh, exposing even more viewers. To not only this podcast, undoubtedly we have some new listeners after that. Welcome to uh, to all of you who have uh, stumbled upon this. You want to rate this podcast, give it five stars, five stars, and you want to leave nice comments on that. You can go to Apple Podcasts, absolutely, if you want to do that. But uh, certainly a cool thing. Kentucky fans, we don't hate your program. For those that can't understand that this has actually become just... One of these motifs with the podcast. Uh, You know what? God bless your hearts here. Um, If anything, Kentucky, when it's good, makes our jobs a lot easier and and better, frankly, because when Kentucky's good, more people read about it. uh, And when they're not as good, there's less interest. So it's actually better for us when the Wildcats are good. I don't know how good they are all overall, to be honest. Um, that's a, perhaps a separate discussion, but yeah, South Carolina getting that win on the heels of us. Uh, I genuinely thought they were going to win, by the way, that wasn't just a bit for the podcast. Like I thought they were going to win that game. Sure enough, they have the sec picture is totally muddied at this point. And, uh, yes, yes, indeed. Shout out Mr. Downey, uh, nice and early, uh, shouts on this podcast.
0: I thought I was going to get reprimanded Tuesday night in studio. Um, Your story is similar to mine. I thought that Kentucky was going to win the game because they're up 14 points with like 12 minutes to go. Uh, You know, they're on the road, sure, but there was nothing that had happened in that game to that point that made you think South Carolina is just going to rally and win. Like South Carolina is not even built to rally and win. You know, they're they're not very good offensively. They are good defensively, but it ain't the good defense that usually allows you to score. Like, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I can look it up because I did tweet it earlier today. But they outscored um, Kentucky in the final 12 minutes.
1: 36-14, something like that?
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, 30 – yeah, the, uh, they they scored 30 – yeah, it was 36-14. Yeah. 36-14 in the final 12-plus minutes. So, like, just on a very basic level. South Carolina ain't built to score 36 points in 12 minutes. I mean, that's ridiculous. And yet they got that done – And end up winning. So here's the truth. I'm on set. Like, we're doing a live television show. I did not think there was any chance South Carolina was going to win the game. And then I start, like, glancing at Twitter every once in a while. It's like, they're coming back. Oh, it's getting competitive. And then ultimately South Carolina pulls away. And I'm like, I'm about to shout Devin Downey out. I'm about to shout Chester, South Carolina. And, like, not everybody – and this is it disappoints me, honestly. But not everybody – who works in that building and is working production and directing and research and everything. Not everybody understands what Devin Downey means to me, what Devin Downey means to this podcast. That's unacceptable. I thought so, too. I thought so too, and so I – at one point, like, I can just tell people are looking at me like, yo, what are you doing? (laughs) Ah. Because in fairness, on television, that is something like Team would do more than it's something like I would do. But because it's part of the podcast, I I sort of, like, started acting out of character for the way I am on television. I don't really get into – and so I'm just like – I'm like, shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, and people are going, what is Parrish up to? Like, I would say most people knew. But some people didn't. And so uh, finally I just had to take a moment like in a commercial break and say, hey, let me explain to you what I'm doing. It's all part of the podcast. I promised people I would do this. I promise you it will be received well. Yes, I can't wait for the midnight show. I'm shouting him out again. And I did have some people on Twitter ask me, yo, why didn't you, why didn't you share, shout out Terry MF and Teagle?
1: I thought doing Terry MF and Teagle. That would have been <laughs> – <laughs> that would have really broken a fourth wall I think that so. we're not quite ready for. I was,
0: um, I didn't feel like I could take it there. I felt I pushed it as far as I could push it. I didn't think I could go straight to Terry MF and Teagle, but perhaps someday, perhaps, perhaps someday I'll take it to Terry MF and Teagle. And I'm glad you said what you said about Kentucky fans because most of them understand. Like when, we, like when they lose and we're tweeting pictures of Devin Downey and shout out to De- Most of them understand what it is, but there's still some out there that'd be like, you're supposed to be an unbiased media member. Why are you, why are you uh, taking joy in the Wildcats demise? And I'm like, yo, we're just shouting out Devin Downey. Devin Downey's greatest moment came against you. That's how you are part of this story. If Devin Downey's greatest moment would have been when Florida was ranked number one under Billy Donovan and he put 30 points on them, on January 26, 2010, then we'd be shouting out Devin, uh, Devin Downey every time South Carolina beat Florida. But you're a part of the story only in that way. It's nothing against you. And most Kentucky fans understand it. Still some don't. I hope the ones that didn't, I know there's no chance of this. I hope they understand it now. Just real quick on Kentucky, though. Um, I almost dropped them completely out of the top 25-1. and one, And I could reasonably have done it. Um You can reasonably do it right now. You look at their resume, and I I think they've got a losing record on the road. They don't have – I'd say they don't have any great wins. I mean, they beat a Louisville team that's getting better, um, smashed a Louisville team that's getting better, uh, beat a Texas A&M team that I still think is probably headed to the NCAA tournament. But there's not much there, and now they get Florida on Saturday, and Florida at this moment – because uh, full disclosure, we're recording this around 2 a.m. Eastern. I just got out of studio. I am for the first time in my life doing a podcast wearing makeup. I still have makeup on. So <laughs> – <laughs> so. Um, Florida's all alone atop the SEC standings right now, and the game's in Rupp Arena, so I suspect Kentucky will be favored. Um, but they could be running into a, a little bit of a situation here because if you can't get the Gators at home, um, then you get Mississippi State at home. You should handle that, but then it's at West Virginia. Then you come—that's tough. You're going to be underdog there. Then you get Vanderbilt at home. That should be fine, but then you got to go to Missouri. Then you got to get Tennessee at home. They've already beaten you once. Then you got to go to Texas A&M. That's tough. At Auburn, that's tough. If this goes the wrong way in Kentucky, it won't be the most shocking thing in the world.
1: Right. I I hit on that uh, quickly in a, just a sort of a things to know post after that game. Kentucky with these road tests still to come. And listen, they didn't have Quade Green. I get that. He had Jared Vanderbilt make his debut, and I thought he actually showed some good stuff there. Maybe this all clicks. But I'm not all there yet, and to me right now, Kentucky looks destined to be in that purgatory 7-10 to 10 seed range where you're facing a 1- or 2 seed in the second round. And, of course, if you're a 1- or 2 seed, you don't want to see Cal in that talent in that spot. Right. Um, but I think that is where this program is going to wind up. It's, I think it's still going to get into the tournament with ease. Um, the SEC is... An absolute cluster. It, I I don't know what's going to become of this league. Uh, Kentucky will keep its head above water. But with the amount of road games it has, like I don't think it has a shot against West Virginia. Like, no shot. And when it doesn't have a shot against West Virginia, and you're going to look at its best wins, it's just not going to be a situation I do not believe, unless they are able to win the SEC tournament and and get one or two big wins against you know whatever teams might be first or second or third in the league at that point. Um, I don't think they're gonna have a, a position there to be like a four seed certainly not a three seed um, so we'll see but yeah you know that that is where we are with Kentucky right now. Quaddy comes back and looks good and Vanderbilt turns into like Kentucky's second best player or something in short order. Then we'll readdress maybe some culpas but at this point, no. This is this is just a team that still has a lot to prove, very young, and looks like it's it's headed toward an unusual position for them in the tournament. And I say that knowing full well they had that one year where they were an eight seed, beat Wichita State, and wound up making the championship game.
0: Oh, they'll still have an opportunity to be an eight seed and make the championship Mm -hmm. game because they still are super duper talented, but. Um, they are more talented than they are good right now, if that makes sense. And if they were to get an eight seed, because I do think, at least right now, they project to be in that range. How about this? This is not a uh, prediction more than it's just a possibility. One seed Duke, eight seed Kentucky. Would they ever do it?
1: Uh, they they would do it. It wouldn't be intentional. Um, no one would ever believe that. Uh, right. that would be compelling as hell. <laughs> uh, especially this year. Um, that would really be something. But Duke's got to get there too. That's no guarantee either.
0: Uh, let's uh, move on to something else that happened on Tuesday night, and that's that Trey Young turned the ball over twelve freaking times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about the stat that that had not happened? A high major player. Ten turnovers – I mean 12 turnovers in a game since 1999, since my senior year of college, back when I had a full head of hair. I
1: didn't see this stat. Um, so can you give me the conference? I, I don't have it. I could probably look it up okay. real quick. Know, in a Twitter
0: then. In a Twitter search. Let me just do Trey Young. Trey Young.
1: I don't know who that would have been in 99.
0: 9, Ten ninety 12 turnovers. Let's see what we get. Um, Real-time results here. Florida States Delvin Arrington had 14 against Auburn, December 5th, 1999
1: Delvin Arrington. You are getting a shout out right now. I've never <laughs> heard of add- you I, in I, my I, life.
0: I, I could totally see him getting added to the Terry. And Teagle and he's
1: not, there is <laughs> no shot. Shout this is a Delvin one-time <laughs> deal and it's almost 2. AM. That's why we're shouting out Delvin Arrington. Try Young at 12 turnovers. He leaves the nation of points, uh, assists and turnovers at this point. Um, Stephen Schramm, I believe, no, was it Brett Strelo, I think, pointed this out. Uh, former beat writers in uh, the Great City of North Carolina who did a great job covering. Uh, the ACC over the years, um, pointed out, hey, Steph Curry actually had a game, I believe it was like the first game of his career, where he had 13 turnovers in a game. Mm. And if you look at the NBA, you know, James Harden is is near the top annually of the list of turnovers. Um, so <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. This will be a thing. Um, and I actually, weirdly, I pointed out uh, Trey's turnover pension in the Frosh Watch on Tuesday before this game because he had had nine over the weekend – and part of it's because they play so many possessions. Part of it's because his usage rate's so high. Part of it's because he really just has the ball in his hands so much. Um, it can be a detriment. Not all turnovers are created equally. Some of those turnovers are certainly bad. Uh, now, now, Oklahoma goes on the road and loses. This was actually, while he was... Uh, he stumbled a little bit against Texas Tech, and West Virginia clearly got in his head. The stat lines there, for the most part, were still fairly acceptable here, even though I think he got to 20. Um, it was a truly bad game. Like It was the first game of his career where he was actually bad. Like He was a detriment to his team more often than not, in my opinion. And I don't know if this is going to be anything where we see a continuance of this. Um, It also speaks to the fact that Trey Young is the most discussed player in the the sport this season uh, to this point and probably will be going forward. And when he has something like this, it's so glaringly obvious we're going to pick it apart, as perhaps we should. It doesn't really take too much away of of all the insanity that he's uh, been able to produce at this point, Um, but... We wait and see how, how he rebounds. He just – he cannot – like three or four times a game, he'll just make a, a flat-out bad pass. He'll force something. And uh, credit to K-State for getting a huge win there. Weber's team needed that um, just, you know, to keep, keep a pace toward, uh, toward an at-large bid.
0: I think what has happened on some level, and I believe his father alluded to this, um, he's gone from being allowed to do a lot to trying to do too much. And that's how you end up with 12 turnovers. That's how you end up, you know, t- taking 21 shots. He did get to 20 points. Um, he, it took him 21 shots to get there. He was two of 10 from the three point line. Literally everything that he does, he did worse than his average in that loss to Kansas State. He was just bad. And I'll give him credit, he owned up on it owned up to it, both on Twitter and in the post-game press conference. He said, you know, this is on me. I was terrible. This is this loss is on me. I've got to be better. And um, he's, he's right. It, the loss was um, largely because of his performance. He does need to be better, but I think he will be. I, I think he's a great player who had a bad game. Sometimes great players have bad games. His are going to be magnified because he has, as you pointed out accurately, um, the front runner by a wide margin for National Player of the Year, um, but it, it it was nothing more than that. I I I don't think. I, I don't believe we're going to be talking on this podcast in two weeks. Like, oh my God, it's been two straight weeks of bad Trey Young. Duh, you know, is he coming back down to earth? He he might come back a little bit, um, but but I think he's terrific, and I won't be surprised if he gets back to being terrific um, as early as, as this weekend. Let's fast forward to. Some interesting results on Wednesday night. Among them, Wichita State lost 83-78 at home in Coke Arena to SMU. Texas Tech lost 67-59 at Texas. Alabama, without Colin Sexton, still beat Auburn 76-71 in Tuscaloosa, snapped Auburn's 14-game winning streak, and Creighton killed Seton Hall. Any of that interest you?
1: Wichita State's by far the most interesting result there. Um, watch most of that game. Shake Milton went out of his mind. He was awesome. Um, you know, some of our cohorts in the in the college hoops writing business uh, have been commenting on on Wichita State's lack of uh, consistently good defense. I think that is valid at this point. I still think that this team's personnel is actually capable. Like, I don't think Duke's going to turn into a really good defensive team. I just don't think that's possible. I actually can see a situation where Marshall. Like, we get to the AAC tournament, and it's like, oh, look what Wichita State's done over the past 10 games. What did Greg Marshall tweak in order to get Wichita State back to the high level that they're at? I absolutely can see that happening, largely because I believe in the defensive prowess of most of these players because they've proven it before. That was a weird game. Good for the American because if this league, you know, is going to be uh, one that can consistently sit at the table with the Big East, Pac-12, SEC... It's got to be able to put four teams plus into the NCAA tournament. SMU's got to be one of those teams this season, and getting a road win at Wichita State will certainly go a long way toward that. Shake Milton looked absolutely terrific, fantastic. Big ups to him and uh, Tim Jankovic for getting such a big-time win. Um, Real quick, GP, uh, Creighton beating Seton Hall. I'm really not that surprised by it. Creighton's solid at home, and I think for a lot of people, Seton Hall, Creighton... Providence looking look at the Big East um many of those programs maybe a little bit indistinguishable at this point could be the could be the case as we get into March there Bama winning was huge didn't have Colin Sexton Auburn lost its second game of the season its first game in a whole hell of a long time i guess since November right so um that was pretty interesting and then Texas being able to get the win at home over Texas Tech uh, a resume building. And just, you know, good result for the Big 12 that Oklahoma lost and Kansas State got the win. Good result for the Big 12 that Texas Tech lost and Texas got the win there. But I think the takeaway that from Wednesday night at least, at Wichita State losing at home has got to be the headline.
0: Well, let me focus on that for just a second. And I think you're exactly right uh, in your assessment of of Duke on the defensive end and Wichita State on the defensive end. I don't think Duke can be a great defensive team. I think Duke's going to have to be a good enough defensive team, and they're going to have to use zone to get them to a level of good enough um, so that they can actually go do um, what it is so many predicted them to do, which is go win the national championship. With Wichita State, there's no reason they can't be great because they've been great before. This is largely the same personnel. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not man to man, but like last year they were um, 13th in the country in defensive efficiency and it's largely the same guys. And so just get back to doing what you were doing. And like Greg Marshall was clearly equipped to get them to that place. Perhaps you need a loss like this um, to, to, to maybe get somebody's attention. I'm not sure, but coaches do say things like that all the time. Um, but yeah, I will not be surprised. I thought I think you put it well. If if we're going into the AAC tournament, and we're going man. Look at Wichita State's last ten games. They've held opponents to this and done this and that and this and that. It won't surprise me at all. Uh, I'm a little concerned because, uh, you know, SMU was on a three game losing streak. I think uh, like SMU, yeah. yeah. So like they have you know they lost SMU lost at Tulane. Like, how do you lose at Tulane and then Two go lane. win at <laughs> – that's my word, right? How do you, how do you lose at lane and then go win at Wichita State? Like, that doesn't make sense, but that is, uh, that's what SMU did, and uh, perhaps that's something to do with Wichita State as well. But ultimately, um, I think the Shockers will be fine. I was interested in the Texas Tech result, and here's why. Earlier today, I was talking to somebody who's, this, let's just say, close to the Texas Tech program, and one of the things I said was, like, you look around, and, yeah, there are really good teams – and by the way Villanova destroyed Georgetown and if, if there is an elite team in the country that might be it like <laughs> sure. that might be it I mean could they're just they're I mean the, the only loss on their resume it, it took Butler like making 40,000 three-pointers to beat them and it still got competitive at the end uh, I I think we've sort of gotten into a habit maybe not you but people and perhaps myself included of saying there's no great teams I think Villanova might be great Yeah uh, um so um I was talking to somebody earlier today yeah, and Texas I said, tech. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but I, I said, okay, listen, like this is the year where if you were ever going to try to be Texas tech and actually go to a final four, this is the year to do it. Because I don't know that there's four teams that just overwhelm you from a talent perspective. There, there's probably, there's certainly four more talented teams, but I don't know that there's four teams that just like could run you off the court with their talent. And one of the things this person said was the loss of Zach Smith hurts and changes everything. Because like he's their fifth leading scorer or something like that, but he, he was important in a lot of ways. And I don't think it's an accident that they are, uh, right now, through 18 games, they're 14-1 with Zach Smith. He's got a broken bone in his foot. 14-1 and one with him, 1-2 and two without him. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that loss um, lowers a little bit what, what's possible with Texas Tech. And then with Alabama beating Auburn, yeah, it came without Colin Sexton, and so that's not ideal. Auburn was actually favored at tip. But it's just a road loss to a team that still got talented pieces. John Petty went off. He's a talented freshman from Huntsville. Um, so, like, whatever. Like, what team, what team in the country, there are some, but how many, um, even the good ones, haven't lost to an unranked opponent on the road? Like, most of them have at this yeah. point. And so, I, you know, Arizona's done it. Duke's done it. Uh, Villanova's done it So the idea that we should be Devastated or or shocked That Auburn did it I don't think uh, Is accurate it's just a road loss To a quality team Uh, Nothing more nothing less and there's a lot of those um, In college basketball let's look Ahead now because Thursday night there is a WCC showdown And when I say there's a WCC showdown It can really only mean one thing San Francisco (laughs) Versus
1: Pepperdine yes Who you got Wait, is, is Pepperdine in the WCC? I think. Hold on. They, if they're not, it, they should or, be. Or it, yeah, you know what I, You know what happens? Yeah, uh. I get Pepperdine and and uh, Pacific screwed up sometimes, but they're both in the WCC. So we're yeah, okay you
0: know who I get confused sometimes?
1: Pepperdine and Tulane. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there are two campuses. Tulane's a fine campus in the tremendous city, but North
0: New Orleans. Shout out to North New Orleans. But
1: I believe Pepperdine is uh, annually in the top uh, top three of uh, best campuses in the country, right there with it's, UC it's Santa Barbara. Beautiful. Um Yeah, St. Mary's plays at Gonzaga. Astute uh, followers of this podcast, readers of the site, and college hoops diehards everywhere will remember that St. Mary's was projected uh, ahead of Gonzaga at the preseason, both in the polls. Gary Parrish's rankings, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And, Gonzaga, listen, St. Mary's has done well for itself after losing, um, lost to Washington State and lost to Georgia in November. And when that had happened... With St. Mary's' non-conference schedule overall, it just wasn't a great thing because even though Washington State wasn't going to be good, Georgia was going to be flirting with the tournament, uh, it wasn't setting up that well. So now St. Mary's finds itself in a position where, unfortunately, because of the way Randy Bennett schedules, it fu- it's, it's, it runs into this problem often. And the problem is it basically has to either beat Gonzaga at least once Or if it doesn't do that, win every other game in league play if it really wants to have a shot at an at-large bid. So the challenge now is, can they get this win? They won on the road against Santa Clara and Pepperdine last week. Now they have Gonzaga, and then they get Pacific on the road on Saturday. I don't think so at all. Gonzaga's been largely off the radar since PK-80. Um, I think Gonzaga is a better team, and I think it's going to win this game by double digits.
0: I think Gonzaga is a better team. I don't know about double digits, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. But I just don't. I'd be surprised if St. Mary's goes into the kennel and and wins. Like you play this game uh, at St. Mary's, then then probably my prediction's different. Although if you look at Ken Palm right now, Gonzaga, at least according to it, would be uh, favored uh, at St. Mary's by a point. So the Zags are actually, I believe this is true right now. Trivia time. You ready? Okay. Three teams right now, according to Ken Pom, are projected to be favored in every remaining game on their schedule.
1: Okay. Name the teams. That's well, obviously it's... Gonzaga and true. it would be Villanova. Also true. What's
0: the third? I don't think you'll get it.
1: All right, hold on. I swear I'm not even. I'm not looking at anything. Just give me, uh, give me ten to fifteen seconds here. Mm-hmm. You don't think I'll get it, which means it's got to be a smaller school Win their remaining games. Okay. Every
0: remaining game on their. It doesn't mean they'll win them all. It just means that at tip off they they should yeah, be favored in each of yeah, They're, they're
1: projected other. to do it. You know, right. you know, who my guess is. Hmm. Vermont.
0: It is not Vermont. Damn. Although it it could be Vermont. Let me look. Let me make sure. I didn't even consider Vermont. Okay. Okay, so you're just... (laughs) Son of a bitch. It is Vermont. Vermont is also. Okay, there's four. Oh, okay, baby.
1: (laughs) Okay, Uh, Vermont is one of them. Shout out to Vermont.
0: Okay, so it's Gonzaga, Villanova, Vermont, and there's at least one more. There could be more. I didn't look this up.
1: You really didn't think this through here. Nope. Uh, Uh, oh God! I just I just found another TV. Oh! Ready. Oh! How about uh, how about? There's, there's at least tra- five. you said yeah. I wouldn't get it, so that that guess is a little too obvious. I think. okay.
0: Okay. Listen, I just found another one, so there's at least five now. Right, Name right, three. This is
1: ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> oh man. I am. I'm not even looking at the leagues right now. I'm not looking at anything. I'm trying to truly pull this off the top of my head. At freaking two oh seven in the morning.
0: This is the worst trivia ever because I'm just adding
1: answers. You are adding answers. Um, are any of the answers from a from a reasonably uh, projected multi bid league or one bid leagues?
0: Uh, Certainly one of them is a one-bid league. The other one has
1: historically been a multi-bid league, but could be a one-bid league this year. All right, then that my guess right there is going to be Rhode Island. Well, let me look. I don't know. Oh, my gosh, Parrish. You didn't even check the A-10? Okay. Update. There's six six
0: teams. Rhode Island is one of them. Oh,
1: my gosh. All right, so you weren't even talking about the A-10 – now we have um, Gonzaga,
0: Villanova, Vermont, Rhode Island, and at least two more. There could be 11 more. I've I have no There
1: probably are. Um, who else is dominant in their league right now that would. I don't think it's anyone in the valley. I don't think it's. A, the only other ones, like. I don't think anyone in the Mountain West would be that answer. Um. You should think maybe really. Man. Nevada is is Nevada's the answer.
0: Yeah, Nevada is one of them. That's the one. That's the one. Originally, I thought was the third, but it's okay. Like the sixth.
1: All right. Um, little surprise. Just a little bit surprising there.
0: This next one would surprise you because it surprised me when I just clicked on it.
1: The only other one that springs to mind, and it's they've been better than I thought they would be. Ah, no, it's not going to happen. There's It is
0: team. a it is a team that's been better than we thought it would be.
1: This isn't going to be the answer cuz I think that they wouldn't be favored on the road but all right I'll say New Mexico state but there's Grand Canyon in the league so I don't think that's the answer.
0: Uh it's not the answer I got and it is well son of a gun it is let's add them.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. You're we're the worst them. at this. Okay. You're the we... worst. 1 2 three, We started two, with five, 3 we're at 7. 7 we're at 7 now. By the way I haven't gotten one wrong yet either. Uh Oh man, I this. How, is... how about
0: that? How about Chris Jance? Shouts to Chris Jance.
1: Yeah, what's the answer? All right, give it up, because uh, I don't think I'm going to get it. I don't know which. I, I guess I'm trying to go through the leagues in my mind here, and I just can't picture which.
0: This is this is definitely the the most difficult one to get. East Tennessee State.
1: Damn.
0: So how about this?
1: But they don't. Aren't they in the same? Uh, they're the SoCon, and have they already played Furman on the road? They play
0: Furman on the road Thursday night, and they are projected by Kimbaum to win the game seventy-one seventy.
1: Big game for Steve Forbes. That's a huge game for Forbes and that league. Furman hasn't about, made the tournament since the year I was so born. How, so, so how about
0: this? There is it. There are at least seven teams that are projected to win the rest of their games. At, at, least, to, yeah. at least seven. Could be. Could be forty. All
1: right. But we've identified. Well, seven. it can't be forty. But okay, yeah. Continue. Uh,
0: okay, it, but you. It could be more than seven. I'll yeah. let somebody else do the homework assignment. But we know it's seven. Two of them coached by former Greg Marshall assistants, Chris Jans and Steve Forbes.
1: There you go. How about that?
0: How about that? What were uh, we talking about,
1: Gonzaga? We were talking yeah. about Gonzaga, but yeah, we both think Gonzaga's going to win here. Um, so Saturday, let's do a little preview here. What? It's not a huge Saturday, which actually works ah. out well because the reason we are recording this podcast at this hour, one, we love you all you listeners. Two, we have to give you three podcasts a week. Three, I go to Vermont. Again, shout out to Vermont once a year to do the ski trip. And uh, the hardcores will remember two years ago, you and Sam did a podcast. I was at some dive bar in Killington with my computer editing and uploading this damn thing at 1145 at night. I'm not doing that again. So we're getting this podcast done. Tell me me
0: if this is also true. You, like, checked into a cabin and there was other people living there with you?
1: Oh, that was last year. Yes. What was that about? That that was it. It was a house, but yes, the guy double booked the house, <laughs> and it was a bunch of women that came, and of course, the majority of us in the house are married men with children, and we're like, yes, of course, this can't happen when we're twenty four. It has to happen now. That was a uh, that was a whole other deal, but yes, correct. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm heading up to uh, to get my. My ski time in uh, my old scomping grounds there at Killington. And do it one week in a year. So we're getting this podcast to you now. And and it actually works out pretty well because Saturday's not, you know, who knows, you know how these things work. Like it doesn't set up to be a great day and then things are going to go haywire. They're going to go wacky. Um, But what are the two or three games that really stand out the most to you?
0: Well, how about this? There's only one game between ranked opponents. And that's uh, number 11 Xavier at number 19 Seton Hall. And, by the way, congratulations to Chris Mack Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, became the winningest coach in Xavier men's basketball history, passing my friend and colleague, the great Pete Gillen. I've been introducing Pete Gillen as the winningest coach in Xavier basketball history for, like, years, and I could no longer do that accurately. Chris Mack passed him uh, on Wednesday night and now on the road at Seton Hall. So uh, Seton Hall coming off that loss at Creighton, uh, but that's it that's it that's the only game between two ring teams
1: yeah um, that is an interesting game we'll see if Seton Hall can bounce back and if they win that game kind of just freeze it all up for Villanova once and for all because I think Xavier is the only team that's got a shot there of even trying to finish the top the league standings alongside of the Wildcats other than that yeah I mean Wichita State at Houston can they dodge a losing streak there TCU can it Climb up in the standings, it goes at K-State, or can K-State take advantage? Kentucky, obviously we mentioned they got the home opportunity against Florida on Saturday. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Trey Young plays at Oklahoma State on Saturday, Um, and then Notre Dame plays at Clemson. So as we mentioned, Notre Dame at Clemson, one, um, Fighting Irish are going to need some wins in a hurry here, but Clemson is interesting because it's at like 87% right now at 247 Sports Crystal Ball that the number three recruit in the country, Mm. Zion Williamson, is going to make his verbal commitment on Saturday. I'll be uh, at a pre-ski, as they call it there. Um, And I don't know if there's any real shot that it's not Clemson at this point. Because I'll just – like, from what – I'm not a recruiting dude. But from what I'm hearing, like, people are expecting – Zion whose stepfather attended Clemson, he's long been uh courted as like stay in stay in state, you know, Clemson, South Carolina, be a local hero, be the next Devin Downey. You know, I've heard that what? that Frank what? Martin and Brad Brownell what? have been using that very pitch line to Zion, and I got to be honest, it's it's a hard thing to just ignore. And and with all of this, we could have just an unusual situation where you've got a guy that's been recruited and still, you know, Duke Kentucky, Carolina, Kansas. It's those four schools, Blue Bloods, and then South Carolina and Clemson. And the lean, everyone thinks it's going to be Clemson. If that happens, uh, obviously that will be huge. Um, And maybe we get into a little bit more of that in the podcast, maybe not. But the thing is, here's the deal. Brad Brownell's made one NCAA tournament since he got to Clemson. He should make his second this season, but that one came back in like 2011. The coaches in that spot normally do not get five-star players if you're not at a big-time school. And if you're at a big-time school, you're not going since 2011 to 2018 without an NCAA tournament and keeping your job. Um, if he does do that, I think you might hear some parallels. Hey, you see what Trey Young did by staying home in Norman, going, you know, bypassing Kentucky. Look what he's been able to do. Zion Williamson is not Trey Young. They're nowhere even remotely close to the same kinds of basketball players, but there is a little bit of a parallel there. So that could wind up being the big headline in college basketball on Saturday. Uh, Zion, does he stay home or. As we always say here, I mean, when Duke and Kentucky are involved, there is never a shock. So if, they, if it does go one of those ways instead, um, it wouldn't be a surprise. I would find it more fun for him to make the unconventional choice, whatever that might be. But the experts who follow this stuff on a weekly basis seem to believe that Williamson is going to Clemson.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you said, don't ever count out, you know, the you know, John Calipari. I don't ever count out you know, the big, big schools. But, yeah, all indications right now are that Zion Williamson is going to be a Clemson Tiger, and it's pretty remarkable. Um, I don't know how much has been written about Brad Brownell, but, I mean, he was very close to being fired at the end of last season. I mean, there was a day during the NCAA tournament, I'm just speaking candidly here, where the people in basketball circles who – no, usually know these types of things thought that it was over. Like thought, I believe it was during the ACC tournament after Clemson had already been eliminated, but it was like, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. The pronoun thing's going down today. It was like, it was like going to, I mean, honestly, as long as it would, they're going to move him and they're going to go get Will Wade. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep. the The Clemson graduate. Right. And it was like people clearly it wasn't going that way. But if you remember it was like reported like Brad's meeting with his athletic director and uh, but like uh, off the record people were saying yeah this is this is probably it. But it wasn't. They gave him another year. And now he's got a team that's in the top 25 and he, he's on the verge presumably of getting a five-star recruit. I mean it's just amazing how it is. Your your whole career can change in a matter of you know, eight, nine, ten months because his whole career was changed. Like he was on the verge of no longer being the Clemson coach. And now he's on the verge of being the Clemson coach. Who's ranked in the top 25 on the way to the NCAA tournament and with a commitment from Zion Williamson. So that's uh, if it goes that way, good for Clemson. You know, I, I remember when Oliver Pernell, the great OP, OP the goat, um, he had that thing rocking. Those fans are great when, when that program is operating at a high level, little John Coliseum, I've been there for a game when they were good. Um, incredible atmosphere. So for them to get to enjoy something like Zion Williams, cause I've always thought this and we'll get out of here right after this. Um, you know, like the great sort of blend together at a place like Kentucky or Duke, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go there if you're a great player. Like you probably should go there if you're a great player, but people don't talk about you forever anymore than they talk about 10 other people forever. But like, um, when you are a star at a school that isn't used to having one, like you really, you really are held in a different place forever. And I don't think it's crazy to think an in-state kid could could be that at at Clemson. Um, and so, it, you know, if it goes that way, uh, good for them, good for Clemson, good for Brad. And and uh, I hope it all works out. He's an exciting player, and obviously more than just a dunker. And uh, and so that'll be an interesting announcement this weekend and like you said uh it could end up being it'll certainly be a big headline it could end up being uh the biggest uh headline of the weekend hey enjoy your skiing
1: i will man this is uh i look forward to it every year and then uh we'll be back i think sunday night i believe um so for those that are gonna are are
0: you are you are you back home sunday night
1: yes i will be driving back home on sunday so we will be good we will be good there because you fly uh, back on – fly back to well, – Well, that's
0: right. what I was about to say, and we could probably discuss this off the air. I'm not flying back on Monday. I'm not in studio Tuesday night. And so oh. – uh, because I, I think we only have one game, and maybe they're doing a different studio set for that. But this is the one week, the rest of the season, where I don't fly back on Monday. I actually fly back on Tuesday. So Well, let's see what
1: the weekend gives us. Let's see what the weekend gives us. It'll be a surprise. We will play it by ear. This is absolutely a pot. For those listening, this doesn't impact you whatsoever. In fact, I'm telling you right now, I'm not uploading this right now. I'm going to bed. But we are recording at 2.18 in the morning. I don't think we've ever gone this late before, but we had to get it done. Thank you, uh, GP, for making this happen as well. And have a safe flight back. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you in a few days.
0: It is never up to me whether the flight is safe. I just, I just, I, I just. Also, I,
1: know. We, I, know. I
0: just get, I just get in the seat and I buckle up and I, uh, you know, uh, just read and rank basketball teams. But thank you, I appreciate. Remember your when thoughts. we said
1: we were, this was going to be twenty-five minutes? It's now 38 and a half.
0: We have never or almost the only way we do a 25-minute podcast is when we actually have a heart out like yes. Like I've got to do a video or my kids about to burn the house down or something like that um, But short of that we're always gonna be right around this 38-minute mark shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester, South Carolina Shouts to Terry MF Teagle shouts to Delvana Arrington, and please go scribe <laughs> to the I've awesome already forgotten account. who that is <laughs> to the Iowa college basketball podcast please rate it favorably it really does help uh, five stars and nice comments that's all we ask we'll owe you forever we'll talk to you again on sunday night till then take care